Hello, and welcome to the Who Says No NBA Trade Podcast. We are over a quarter of the way into the NBA season. And you know what that means? That means that teams are starting to get impatient with their players, and they're looking to trade them. So that's why we have this podcast. As always, I'm Colin Ward-Henninger. I'm an NBA writer for CBS Sports. And with me is uh, recently relocated Sam Quinn, who may or may not have lost a lot of money on some NBA games tonight. Sam Quinn, how are you doing? I was about to compliment you on your great intro and just your development as an intro provider. But man, you know what? You're just bringing up some bad memories tonight. It it was not a great night for me, Colin. But you know what? We persevere and we're just going to pretend that I had a nice night and we're going to cap off that nice night with a bit of fun trade talk. Well, you got to you got to talk about the losses. You know, the worst thing you could do is just bottle up the rage. You got to get it out there. Let people know, you know, hey, just like you, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. And usually it's not even you making the mistakes. It's the dumb players who are playing. So there's really no problem with you. Here's what really gets me, right? I write the gambling newsletter for CBS this morning. I pick Blazers plus four. Blazers lose by three. I should be very happy, but I'm not because I took the live line at just the Blazers to win. I think it was something close to even money. So I have a publicly correct pick that I lost money on today. There's a, so this is funny because there's this old, uh, probably predates you, but it was like a Tony Hawk pro skater video game type thing. And we oh, used to play. You, I was around for Tony Hawk. Come on. How young do I don't you know, think I, I am? I don't know which iteration, but anyway, we used to play it in college and you could do tricks. I didn't play it in college. That's the thing. I played it in like seventh grade. There you go. <laughs> when I was seven. Um, but yeah, we used, you used to do tricks and it would tell you like what happened. Like, oh, you over rotated or like. You know, you, you didn't hit the button in time. But then when you just get in the air and you try to do too many tricks, it just says greed. I think that's <laughs> what happened to you tonight, Sam. I think that is what happened. And then after that, I, I did the natural gambling move. I chased the first three losses with the Warriors money line because the Warriors were the underdog. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to make back some of this money in one fell swoop. And then, and then James Wiseman and Kelly Oubre happened. And they lose by what? I think it was 25 in the end. So not a great night for me. But you know what? I've had some good ones leading up to this. And you know what? If you're in Vegas, you got to live with the losses if you're going to enjoy the wins. So, well, you kind of brought up Kelly Oubre. So that's a good segue. He's somewhat involved in our discussions here. So uh, we're going to be talking about a guy who recently, uh, it was reported, has been placed on the trade block. You know, chances are he was probably on it for a while if you look at the situation. And that's Lonzo Ball, everyone's favorite ball brother before LaMelo came into the NBA. Um, He's on the Pelicans, but the Pelicans are just in a really, really bad place right now. And they have a lot of guards and Lonzo is going to be a restricted free agent at the end of this year. So it would make sense that they might want to at least explore options. So uh, we're going to be looking at. You know what? We, we, we were going to pick a few teams, say, hey, maybe he'll fit here, maybe he'll fit here. Sam's like, you know what? This is Lonzo freaking ball we're talking about. Let's just go through every NBA team. So, Sam, you want to kick us off and start us off with all 30 NBA teams and whether Lonzo ball would be a good fit or not? Well, Lonzo is kind of the perfect dream Twitter trade candidate, right? Because he was the number two pick. He, it's not like he's been consistently bad. It's not like he's an outright bust. He's been bad this year, but like, You've seen enough flashes that I think almost every team, when they heard that he was available, they had the meeting, right? And they just said, can we fix him? Are we the team for him? Can we afford to give him an extension? Like, I'm sure pretty much every team, even if it was only for five minutes, they had the conversation. So we thought it made sense to go through this team by team. We did it in tiers. And I think there's an obvious 
team at the absolute bottom here. This is the no way whatsoever team. It's the Los Angeles Lakers. I don't oh, think they're barking home. back up that tree. Come in home. No? <laughs> no. You know what's funny is I could see a scenario in like seven or eight years where LaMelo and Lonzo are both free agents and they decide to do it. I don't think it's going to happen right now. I think there's still some bad feelings. And I'm just going to say it. The Lakers already have somebody who does everything that Lonzo Ball does, and his name is Alex Caruso. That's so funny. I was literally just going to be like, all right, take salaries out of it. You're at the, you're on the, the pickup court. You got Lonzo on one side. You got Caruso on the other. You got one spot le- left on your team. Who are you taking? I'm taking Caruso, and I'm not even thinking about it, right? Like, wow. I didn't mean, even think about I'm it. I'm not necessarily a fair person to ask this, right? Like, if you looked at my Twitter feed from March 2019 – Maybe through like May 15th, I think there's at least one Caruso video or stat on there from every single day. Like he is just one of my absolute favorite role players. I literally wrote a column about him last night, about how the Lakers need to play him more. Like the dude's just a winning player. Like you pay him $3 million and he just comes on the court for 18 minutes and you win those minutes by 11 points. Like that's what happens. And if he's going to shoot 56% from the three-point line, I think he might be making a little more than $3 million in the near future. Has Lonzo shot 56% from three in a single game this year? Has he shot like, 56% he had a one from one the game? free throw line his entire life? <laughs> so, wow, yeah, right? I think we're just minutes pretty... in. We're already dumping on Lonzo. <laughs> I, well, you know, we should let's pause for a second right here and let's just have this conversation. What is Lonzo Ball's trade value? That's like, a great. In a total vacuum, what are you trading for Lonzo Ball? Okay, so the pedigree, do you, this is always what it comes back to, right? Like the number two pick in the draft. Obviously, like huge expectations. Magic Johnson thought he was going to change the franchise. Um, the makeup, the the six six guard, the way he passes, the way he moves, he's actually a much better defender than I think most people expected. The shooting hasn't been there, but, you know, he tweaked his form last year and actually shot pretty decent. The shooting was there last year. I don't know what right. happened this year, but and before the bubble last year, he was an above-average shooter. Right. He shot 38% from three, and that's including the bubble where he was really bad. Um, and this year he's down to 30%, and you know he's shooting more per game. So that, a great passer, but not necessarily like a, a half-court passer, and that's you know where him and his brother Lamelo differ a little bit. Um, so trade value, I mean, you're looking for – Another young, you know, he's still 23 years old, another young potential filled player, um, if you can do that. And if not, then you're looking for some sort of first round pick, I would imagine, right? Yeah, that seems about right. Like you're not getting a you're not getting a lottery pick here. You're getting something like lottery protected or top 18 protected, something like that. The question here is the kind of team, right? Because I think Lonzo is somebody whose value is going to vary greatly depending on where he goes. The best basketball I ever saw him play all around was when he was with LeBron. I think he was somebody that really benefited from having another really high IQ player on the floor who like his chemistry off the ball with LeBron was great, right? Like they threw a bunch of lobs to each other and both of them were the dunkers in that scenario. So I think if you could get him into the right system, like giving up a first round pick for him, it makes sense. I would agree with that decision. But if you're like the Detroit Pistons, I'm sorry, he has no value to you because he's going to come in. He's going to shoot 28 percent. And then you're just going to say, oh, he didn't play well here. So we're going to let him walk. So it's a first round pick to the right team is what I would say. 
that's a good distinction to make too because a lot with a lot of these younger players you're thinking like oh is this one of those guys where you know a bad team is going to see a low price tag and be like hey this could be our guy you know he just hasn't been in the right situation I, I think i agree with you that it doesn't really seem like lonzo is that type of guy he's more of a guy that's going to go to a good team and make them better rather than go to a bad team and make them good yeah, I, I would completely agree with that. Now I'm rethinking a couple of the teams on these on these lists because I have one very bad team in, in a very high tier, but I think I'm going to change Well, that's that why it's stuff. called Who Says No? I'll just say no. So let's go to the not happening tier. I think okay. I'll give Lakers it Lakers are the only one that's just like... The Lakers are the only one. They're in a class by themselves. Like, I would bet my left foot that they're not going to make that <laughs> And he'll not do it too, right folks. Foot. I don't didn't move to Vegas for no reason. I don't want to bet my kickball foot like I need my dominant foot, but I will bet my left foot that Lonzo Ball is not going to be traded to the Lakers in this cycle. But bounties or no bounties in kickball? Oh, bounties 100 percent. Wow. Kickball is not a competitive enterprise. Kick, um, kickball is just for fun. I'm sorry. I want to kick that ball as far as humanly possible. <laughs> Heard it here first. Bounties. OK, I'm going to you know what? I'm going to go into a story. Kickball was the recess game of choice in fourth grade, and we actually kept track of the home runs that we kicked. So I grew up in New York City, so we couldn't actually kick home runs. There wasn't a fence. But there was this tall window in the courtyard of our school, and if you hit it above that window, it was a home run. So all all school year long, nobody gets above like eight. I think I had like maybe five, like some small number. But we have this potluck dinner the last night, and everybody goes there early to play kickball. And my parents, I think my mom or my dad had just gotten back from like Orlando and they brought me this ball from Disney World that was like insanely bouncy. So it was so bouncy that everybody you kicked was kicking home runs. So the home run count winner at the end of the year was just whoever got there first because everybody hit like all of them. So somebody ended up hitting like 18 that day. So there's like steroid allegations in my Yeah, this is like the, the Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, <laughs> like juiced ball era. I swear there are people that are still mad about this because they'd show up and like somebody would have four home runs and then they would get there an hour late. It's like, no, no, Andrew has 18 home runs now. This is going to be like a Last Dance-esque documentary that comes out in like 15 years. But we, I used to play kickball in elementary school and we had this... Uh, massive sixth grader named joseph chang i don't you know in my memory there's never been a bigger human being and uh they they, they made him kick left-footed because he was just always kicking the ball over the buildings and stuff but then there's even lefty no bigger going, human being yeah. there are two i think there are two people in your life that you will never see a bigger person and we work in the nba and we see seven footers pretty routinely like up close the big kid in little league or in elementary school like the one big athlete is number one and then your dad, when you're like seven years old, like my dad is 5'11". He's not a tall man. When I was seven, I was like, I think my dad could play power forward for the Knicks. <laughs> I think yeah. those are the two people in your life. You'll never meet anybody bigger. My dad's 6'5", so that he, he lived up to that. Hey, he actually, like, you could justify that. I was, I was, it is nice, you know, when I was a little kid, just being in a crowd, I could always look up and make sure I saw my dad. But we have gone so far off the rails. You know who else yeah. is a tall guy? Lonzo Ball, 6'6". So what else you got? Taller than your dad, therefore he could beat your dad up. But anyway, no, in NBA measurements. So these are the not happening teams. I'm just going to give it one sentence with each of them. If you dispute any of them, let me know. Philly, I think that's pretty obvious. They have the good Ben Simmons, and or they have the good Lonzo Ball in the same. <laughs> the good Lonzo Ball. Uh, Milwaukee, they have Giannis. They need somebody who can shoot. That's not Lonzo. Done. Brooklyn, they have nothing to trade, and even if they did, I don't think that would be their priority. They have a million guards already. 
Cleveland, I just, I don't think they want to mess with a good thing. Like, I think Sexland just, they hope that's their backcourt for a decade. They don't want to mess with that. That definitely Miami, falls into the, uh, you know, bad team not wanting to get Lonzo. How kind of. dare you call Cleveland a bad team? They're a delight. Rebuilding I did this team. list right. by standings, by the way. Team below them, the Miami Heat. Therefore, Oof. worse than them. Oof. The Heat just don't want to mess with their cap space right now. They're not bringing in Lonzo and punting away their opportunity at something close to the max. Utah, they're just awesome. Like, why are they messing with anything? And they don't have filler salary, even if they did. All their salaries, it goes to important players. So they can't really make this trade. Memphis, I don't know why you would want Lonzo Ball alongside John Morant. And even if you wanted secondary playmaking, you have Justice Winslow. So pretty do straightforward. They, do they have Justice Winslow? They might someday have Justice Winslow. It <laughs> might be 2026. You know, we might all like, you know, the heat death of the universe might come. And then after that, but like technically Justice Winslow is on their roster. We'll need to get like, you know, the puns ready. Like justice is served or, you know, justice is served cold, you know, something for when he actually plays basketball again. Dallas, I think that's pretty straightforward. They already gave up a lot of shooting and they already have Luca. So why are you putting the ball in Lonzo's hands? Minnesota, they had their chance at the good ball brother and they said no. Any disputes, any arguments among that list? Anybody that you want to go a little deeper on? Uh, no disputes. Just uh, Minnesota just kind of piqued my interest. Maybe like a Rubio thing. I don't know if that would be. They shouldn't have gotten Rubio though, right? Like, yeah. isn't their whole strategy like put as much shooting as humanly possible around Towns, who is also an incredible shooter and maybe the best big man shooter in history? Well, that's kind of why I'm at. Like, you have D'Angelo, who you know is, is wants to do his, his pick and roll stuff, and Lonzo is much more comfortable playing off the ball. Then you got Towns. I think Lonzo obviously would help defensively, and he could. Uh, Push the ball in transition, which I think. Well, I mean, he's also it, he's your fourth guard there, right? You really want to give up a first round pick for a fourth guard for fourth guard like behind Beasley, Edwards, and Rubio, or not Rubio, Russell. I mean, well, I'm not gonna get too much into it. I think he might be better than Beasley, but go ahead. I would love to see Miami. I just don't think it's feasible from a calorie or a salaries perspective or a calorie perspective because you know <laughs> really? they like their people to be in very good shape. Um, I just think like if there is an organization out there that could figure out how to use him, it'd probably be the heat, but I just don't think it's feasible. Like they are not going to keep his cap hold on the books. They want, they have their eyes on bigger fish. Yeah. I don't disagree with you there. I don't think they want anything to do with Lonzo ball. So this is the probably not, but I'm slightly intrigued. I'll just name all the names here and then we can kind of jump around as we see fit. Indiana, Boston, Orlando, Chicago, Washington, Detroit, Portland, Denver, San Antonio, Oklahoma City, Sacramento. Just what jumps out to you right away from those 11 teams? Uh, the first one that jumped out was Chicago, and that's just because of the the Kobe White, Zach Levine dynamic and having two guys in the backcourt who need the ball to be successful. I know Levine's passing more, but, you know, ultimately, if you could put a guy like Lonzo next to him and have White come off the bench or, you know, you end up trading marketing or whatever um i don't know what, what the deals would be but just you think thinking that, of their go ahead. do you think levine is staying there permanently or like after this contract because he's a 2022 free agent and he doesn't seem super thrilled with the direction they're in um i think he seems like he would want like bigger you know greener pastures like a bigger stage i think he he thinks that he's really really good oh, i just he, figured it out by the way well I'm not 100% sure, but doesn't this scream next 2022 signing? That's a good one. That's a very good one. 
I was about to say reunite with Tom Thibodeau, but did he ever play for Tom Thibodeau or did he play one year for Thibodeau or did Thibodeau trade him as soon as he got there? I think he played yeah. one year for Thibodeau. He got, he got traded for Butler, right? So, so there was one year before yeah. that, that he did play for Tibbs. And by then, like the Knicks are like, they're not good. I mean, I, we just did a whole podcast about them where they're like, they're probably going to be a play in team or somewhere on the periphery this year. Like they might be 500 by the time they're sniffing around someone like Levine and Levine being Levine thinking he's an all-star would probably think, Oh yeah, I'm the guy to revive New York. So I, I could see that another team here that I was like semi-interested in was Boston. But then I just realized how dare I take minutes away from Peyton Pritchard. Like no, I, I just don't no, think I'm, I'm not a powerful it. enough podcaster to do that. He did get hurt, but it doesn't sound like it's a, a long-term thing, so that's good. And obviously, they would never compromise because he's going to be there next. They, they're going to think about trading Jalen Brown once Peyton Pritchard hits his potential. I think. Well, I mean, you got to have you got to find a guys on Peyton Pritchard's timeline, and then b guys who fit with him. But you know, I, I like the idea of Lonzo purely from the perspective of I know Tatum can shoot, I know Jalen can shoot, and amazing as this sounds, I know Marcus can shoot. So three of your spots are definitely full with like guys you can pretty reliably count on to space the floor. So if you put Lonzo on there, just like the collective IQ of that foursome, very, very high. Boston does have the Gordon Hayward exception, so they could just absorb him if they wanted to. But I just think they probably look at Peyton Richard and say like, okay, our young guard slot for the moment is full. Yeah, I, I definitely, I see where you're coming from. That's def- like what we were talking about earlier, how he makes a good team better. Like that's the type of situation you're looking at, you know, long switchable, smart you know it just seems like he fit in really well in that kind of situation but like you said uh i don't know if it's it's worth giving up assets for him when they already have kind of a stable thing going on there i'm very proud of our restraint for not spending five minutes on orlando just because every point guard episode inevitably goes back to orlando i'm done i'm done with orlando like forget it they're not going to trade anybody they're not going to do anything cool it's like forget it man you're off you know what why should we take you seriously if you're not going to take yourself seriously? Like they That's clearly right. are not interested in building this team properly. So you know what? I'm not going to spend my energy on them unless I want to pillage them. And I'm sure we'll do a whole Orlando episode where we just pick off all of their good players. But like, no, I'm not giving you something fun. No, I'm not letting you no. ruin Lonzo Ball. And no. by the way, if they get Lonzo Ball, he's there for another 12 years. Like that's it. That's his career. With Markel Fultz, just like yes. just going to take turns passing the ball to each other until because that's how that organization. Someone finally has to shoot. <laughs> the most fun team here would be Denver, but I just think they have Compazzo, and Compazzo is like cheaper, more manageable, but frankly better. He can shoot a little bit ball. So, and no, it's, and, like, they have Monte Morris too, and it just yeah. Yeah, I mean, like that would be fun. It just it's not really a fit. Oklahoma City can theoretically fit basically anybody, and they can afford basically anybody. But Shea isn't a great shooter, and like look. I am the king of the Lou Dort bandwagon. Like I, like, I have fundraised the whole thing. Like, I've been sitting at the front from the start. It's basically I a nonprofit. Think. It's not, it's more than a bandwagon. It's like an entire organization. It's my obsession. So, even I can say that I don't think Lou Dort is this good of a shooter. So, I probably wouldn't be pushing to get another non shooter in there. Other than that, yeah, like a bunch of these teams are just like, I think Indiana could find a fun way to use Lonzo Ball, but that's just not really their priority, you know? I think, you know, Portland could have be fun, and they're really good at developing guards, but I don't know. It just doesn't seem like a good use of their resources. So 
These are teams that, like, I guess I wouldn't rule out if one of them wanted to trade for him. I just don't think it's likely. Now we get to the good stuff. These are the four teams that are really commonly mentioned. I know you really want to talk about one of them. The Knicks, the Clippers, the Warriors, and the Hornets. Give me your Warriors spiel. How'd you know it's the Warriors? Because A, you live in the Bay Area. B, I'm in Slack with you every day. (laughs) Okay. The Warriors thing is very simple. It's... uh, Kelly Oubre is terrible. Like, I don't know what it is. It, the water or, you know, he just doesn't like the fog or whatever it is in the Bay Area. It's not working. That starting lineup was at a minus 17 or something before the Phoenix game. So it's probably even worse now. It's not working. And he's playing basically two guard, which doesn't really make sense because he's more of a three, even a four. Um, they need to cut bait on that. Lonzo... While, you know, everyone thinks of the Warriors, they think of shooting. And we still don't know whether Lonzo can shoot or not. But even if he can't, the biggest problem with this team is just the general drop-off of basketball IQ that they had from their previous great team iterations. And watching Steph Curry and Draymond Green scowl and shrug and look to the sky in, in search of hope and answers based on these, these players doing these idiotic things on the court, I think, as we mentioned, a guy like Lonzo who could come in, push the pace, find open shooters, throw lobs to James Wiseman, and he could be that defensive guy who they're kind of missing. Steve Kirk keeps talking about, oh, you know, we need to get better on defense. We need to have a better defense. Lonzo's a guy that can do that for you and kind of occupy that Sean Livingston-ish role. You stole my point. Right. I, that was what I wanted to get into. It's like It seems like he's the evolutionary Sean Livingston, the backup point guard. Now, obviously, he does very different things, and he's not going to do the turnaround jumpers, but... Man, I, I do like that idea a lot of giving them a bigger point guard who can play off of the ball with Steph because playing off of the ball and playing off of the ball with Steph are two very, very different things. Like Draymond Green would not be the offensive player that Draymond Green is if not for Stephen Curry's gravity. So I like that fit a lot. I mean, as far as the IQ point goes, we saw this in the two Minnesota games where they put Looney into the starting lineup over Wiseman and like it suddenly just clicked and they crushed the Timberwolves twice. Because they just needed like that little extra bit of veteran know-how. And when they got it, boom, it clicked. So I think he's very much a Steve Kerr player. Steve Kerr loves guys like that who can A, play in transition, B, who overpass, frankly, and C, he loves a reclamation project. Like how much is he enjoying the Wiggins renaissance right now? Oh, who isn't? Everybody loves him. I saw somebody on Twitter for a while. Somebody on Twitter called him Andrew Wigwadala, and I was like, oh my God, (laughs) this is perfect. Oh, that's amazing. Somebody asked him on a, on one of our Zoom calls, somebody asked Steve Kerr, it's like, what do you think of the nickname Maple Jordan? And he's like, what? <laughs> he's like, yeah, well, that's the I, thing that they call him. Steve Kerr's like, nobody When I had James Herbert on, I called him Maple Woj, and he was uncomfortable with it because he's not a newsbreaker. I don't think wow. anybody likes the Maple, or the Maple Sobercat. Is Sobercat the nickname or pseudonym? I don't know what I'm looking for. I, I honestly don't know, you know, and then and so therefore it's the right term. But yeah, maple anything, probably not good. Maple beard. It generally doesn't go very well. Yeah. But anyway, I think the Warriors can get it done uh, for Uber. Oh, yeah, I didn't talk about Uber going to the Pelicans. I think it makes sense for them. Uh, outside of Brandon Ingram, they're actually pretty thin on the wing, I guess, considering or depending on how you feel about Josh Hart. But Ubre has that kind of, uh, you know, that that chaotic factor. Everything that makes him not fit with the Warriors could could actually make him uh, a help or benefit on the right in the right situation where he can kind of come in 
and just kind of wreak havoc, you know, make things happen, which at least it hasn't worked so far. So I think um, they might not be able to trade them straight up. I think that that's a good trade. But um, if the Warriors need to throw in a second rounder to sweeten the deal or if the Pelicans have to add an extra player for financial purposes, they can just, you know, pick whoever. But I think the general framework of Lonzo, Lonzo for Ubre makes sense for both teams, in my opinion. This is... This is a take my garbage for your gar- garbage sort of trade, and that's not to say these are garbage players, but like that's exactly these what are said. these are two players <laughs> that are not working in their current situation and might work better somewhere else. And like Kelly Oubre was very good in Phoenix last year, so I could see a scenario where the Pelicans say like it's hard to get wings of this size. We'd probably rather do that and stick it out with this Lonzo thing. I, I do think that there's a little bit of a sunk cost fallacy with Lonzo where he was one of the core pieces of the Anthony Davis trade. So if you don't get something very good back for him, there's a party that feels like we didn't get something very good back for Anthony Davis, which is not true because Brandon Ingram's an all-star. Like he was an all-star last year, but I do think that that's something that could play into this. And I think that might lead the Pelicans to say, no, we want Kelly Oubre and a first round pick, which I don't think the Warriors would do. But like, I think this is, this is somewhat attainable. Like I, I think if the two teams really sat down and decided we want to do something, they could make it work. Yeah, my favorite and, team out of this group is the Hornets, just by far. I don't know what what are you doing, Michael Jordan, that you're not making this trade. What uh, do you have going on that is exciting enough not to make this trade? The only reason I can think for you not to make this trade is the knowledge that if you ever did like piss off Lonzo or if you walked in restricted free agency, you'd be ris- risking alienating Lamelo. But like, what do the Hornets have going on that's so exciting that they're not doing this? I'm also wondering if. Lonzo and LaMelo Ball are both on the Charlotte Hornets. Does that mean LeVar Ball is in the front row? I don't know if they're allowing fans right now, but when they are, is he in the front row for every game? Okay, so at that point, that is probably the deterrent for wanting to reunite the Ball brothers. Then, you know, they start playing games, start saying we need to get LiAngelo in here or else both my guys are walking. You know, there's just all sorts of stuff going on there. Well, you know what? Then get LiAngelo in there because what is going on in Charlotte that's so appealing that you're not doing this? It's Devante not like you're Graham? breaking up. Devante it's Graham's not like really good. It's not like you're breaking up the 2017 Warriors for this traveling circus. You're a team that nobody has cared about in 20 years. Why aren't you just doing the fun thing? It's not that hard. If you want to be, I mean, don't get me wrong. The goal is to be good. If you can't be good, and we don't know, maybe they will be good someday. Like Gordon Hayward has looked very good this year. Lamelo is. Very high potential. They're going to have another decent draft pick this year. But I'm sorry, before you can get to, like, you know, championship relevance, which in Charlotte is very difficult, I think a more attainable goal might just be, let's be entertaining. Let's ha- let's give people a reason to watch our team and to buy tickets. I just, I wouldn't do that if I were New York. But if you're Charlotte and you've been irrelevant for 20 years, I would go for it. I'm not even going to defend the basketball situation because it wouldn't work. I'm just saying... If, if the cost is only like Terry Rozier or something, then you just do it and just have fun. I like, I think I can, I'm having a lot of fun imagining like them running the Chino Hills high school basketball offense where LaMelo just stays at half court and doesn't play defense. And then Lonzo gets the rebound and just chucks it down court to him and he fires up a three. I think well, that would drive the, drive the crowd crazy. That's the Vivek Ranadive method. And you know what? I, for one, believe in Vivek. I, I trust his track record very much. I'm still waiting for someone to try that. I, I love that experimental stuff. You agree that the Knicks are a no, right? Like, it just doesn't make sense for them yeah. given how they have. They already have Alfred Payton, so. I mean, if we really want to talk about <laughs> the 
have like let's talk about Emmanuel quickly, the greatest rookie point guard in NBA history. I was just because Alfred Payton seems like like Lonzo, but without all the good things. <laughs> yes. Well, I was talking about this with Jonathan Macri on the last episode. Like, I think there's a chance he's the worst starter in the NBA because it's not that he has gotten worse. The issue is he is exactly the same player he was as a rookie, but his skill set has become like 8% less valuable every year to the point where he was once like a worthwhile starting point guard. And now through no fault of his own, the league has changed so much that he's worthless. Yeah, it's bad. I, I'm a, you know, as I've said many times in this podcast, the DFS guy and Peyton's had a, a pretty pretty cheap salary most of the year, and you think, oh, this is a guy, you know, he puts up triple doubles every once in a while. He's worth it. So I was taking him like every day for like two weeks, and so I was watching a lot of him him play. He's really bad. He's just, I mean, I don't like to say stuff like that about NBA players, but like, he's just not very good. The league has passed him by, and by the way, even the things that you did keep him for when he was good, like he's averaging under four assists per game this year. Like he's supposed to be a pure point guard, and you're not getting four assists. You know why you're not getting four assists? Because you have no no gravity. You have anti-gravity. Defenders stay away from you. And it makes it that much harder to use your passing skills to create buckets for anybody else. So I just don't think the Knicks make any sense. The Clippers you could almost talk me into as a reclamation thing, but mm. I just want to be on the record. I am in the camp that the Clippers don't need a point guard. Where are you with that? It's so – it's hard. Well, that's why Alonzo is, like, I think an intriguing pick. Because, like, he is a point guard, but, like – in name only, like he's not really a, you know, a half court playmaker. He's not really, he's not going to, he can guard, you know, one through three. Um, I think that's the type of player who you would want, like a guy who can handle the ball, um, but is also not a liability on defense and, and can, you can move him around and stuff. So I think when you say like, do the Clippers need a point guard? I think that's almost a separate discussion from whether they would want Lonzo. So my point with them is I think what makes their offense work so well is Number one, there's a ton of playmaking in the aggregate, right? Like they don't have a quote-unquote point guard, but Luke Kennard can dribble and pass, and Nick Batum can dribble and pass, and Kawhi Leonard can dribble and pass, and Paul George is passing this year. And they're cobbling it together on that front. And the reason it's working so well is because everybody can shoot, right? Like they're, I think they were shooting 42% from three last time I checked. That's what makes their offense so dangerous. And once you insert one non-shooter slash roller in Zubac's case – I think it kind of risks bringing the whole enterprise down. So it just doesn't really make sense to me. Yeah, no, I agree. So those are the teams that others are constantly talking about. Like, I think when you look up Lonzo Ball trade rumors, those are the four teams you're probably going to see most. Four teams go that could use Lonzo Ball. Have we written that story yet? I would imagine that we have. I didn't write it personally. So. I didn't write it either, and I'm usually the one who writes it. So <laughs> I might have to check back in on that. Because, yeah. you know, I can just recycle this information, but I digress. Yeah. We can just um, play the podcast instead of writing. Nobody sh- reads anymore anyway. Well, we just we pay an intern. To, we're not paying it. We get an intern to transcribe it. Do we have interns? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. I think well, I feel well, like we might have had some in the past, but like yeah. I've never met them or interacted with them. We had a trending intern once, and then he like got hired by somebody really good, uh, and he was gone after like a month, and then we never Is did he it famous? Again. I uh, like it. I know this isn't the case, but like it'd be funny if like Zach Lowe was the trending intern. <laughs> yeah, trending intern. <laughs> well, I'm just gonna cover the NBA. Um, but yeah, no. Anyway, we we can um, you know write that article in the uh, the JJ Reddick article at some point. Check the website cbsports.com. Get those. These pages. are some teams that I I actually like here, and I think this is number one. This is the trade that I would want to make. I think it's so simple. 
the Phoenix Suns. Here's what here's what I'm talking about. I was draft. about to just I was gonna jump down your throat, but I'm not I hear you out. On draft night, as you'll recall, Tyrese Halliburton falls to the Phoenix Suns, and we're all just like popping champagne for the Suns. Like this is great. They found their point guard of the future, somebody who can learn under Chris Paul for a couple of years and then take over. Perfect fit alongside Devin Booker as kind of a defender, passer, high IQ guy. And then they take Jalen Smith, who I don't know Jalen Smith particularly well, but it seems like the idea with him is like stretchy, offensive-minded big. Problem is, they kind of already have that guy in Dario Saric. The Pelicans don't have that guy. They th- they thought they had that guy in Nicola Melli. Nicola Melli is bad at basketball. So yeah, why what happened to him? Couple? He had like a stretch. It's just not good. Okay. Like, I think it's that simple. Oh, He's not making shots. He's on the floor to make shots. But I think we can kill several birds with one stone here. Dario Saric for Lonzo Ball. New Orleans gets the stretch big that they so sorely need. Phoenix gets the long-term point guard that they're looking for to replace Chris Paul down the line. And they open up more minutes for Jalen Smith. Why isn't this a perfect trade? I guess in the short, so when Phoenix traded for Chris Paul, they obviously made a, that's, you know, a move to get good and to make the playoffs so that Devin Booker will be happy. If you bring in Lonzo Ball, I don't know if that helps your short-term ability to get to the playoffs. I mean, they do need a backup, but I don't know about those three playing together. And ultimately, if you're going to bring in a guy like that and and get rid of an asset like Saric, who is actually really, really valuable for them, I would think you would need a guy who's going to be, you know, closing, if not starting, alongside those two guys. So that would be my only reservation. I think that you value Saric a bit more than I do. And I just, I want to stress, he has been significantly better as the center than he was as before. Like, before the bubble, I was very much in the camp of just like, Dario Saric is not a very good player. That's not true. Now that he's, now that I know that he can play backup five, I like him and I think he's a good fit next to Zion, just because Zion has a little bit of bulk, which Saric does not really have as a center. Now he hasn't really effectively wielded that as any sort of rim protector or defensive rebounder, but... You know, down the line, I think that's those are that's a front court combo that could work. I just don't think that a trade like I don't think getting getting rid of Dario Saric is something that's going to materially affect your playoff chances that much. I think I mean you might lose a win or two, but like okay, it's basically to me it comes down to how good is Chris Paul, how good is Devin Booker, how good is DeAndre Ayton, and how good is Mikael Bridges. Those are the four players that are actually going to determine your fate. And Booker's been out. They started out very well. They've kind of cooled off since then. The truth is, I think they're kind of, they were a playing team anyway. And nothing that is, nothing beyond the very hot start at the beginning has really dissuaded me from that. So is the difference between the seven and the eight seed like really worth not taking this very high upside swing on your future? I would say you, you go for it. What do you think they are? Like, do you have them as like the five seed? God, that's, yeah, it's a great question. I, it's really hard to tell. I mean, I know they've had some health and safety protocol stuff, like Saric hasn't played a lot. Um, it, I think with teams like that, like when you get a guy like Paul, especially a guy like Paul, like you got to give it some time to figure out what you have. So, uh, I mean, could I see them getting the five seed in the West? Sure. Um, I think probably what you're talking about is more likely in some from the seven to 10 range, I would imagine. But I mean, who knows? The season's been so weird. Like, you win a couple games here and there, and suddenly you jump from, you know, 10th to 5th in the West because it's probably going to be really close. I think a couple of developments really hurt their chances of avoiding the play-in. 
number one, Utah is great. And like, this was always going to happen. There was always going to be a third team after the LA teams that like really stood out and affirmed itself. And maybe for a minute, it looked like it was Phoenix. It's not them. It's Utah. Utah is the very good team out of that group. Number two, they kind of missed their moment where Denver had horrible shooting luck. And when Denver had horrible clutch luck, like when Denver was in 10th, that was like the moment when you really needed to be banking wins and like gaining ground on them. They couldn't pull that off. And now Denver's in fourth and Denver is pretty stabilized. So what you're basically saying is, is Phoenix better than, or can Phoenix stay above Golden State, San Antonio, Memphis, Dallas, when they get their act together? Like, I, I don't know. I think that they're probably below at least two of those teams anyway. Don't forget the red hot Houston Rockets. I don't want to pretend that the Houston Rockets are here through ingenuity. Like I just, I don't want to give them credit where I don't think it's due. They're kind of a, I mean, we don't need to talk about this on this podcast, but they're kind of a fun team to watch. I know you hated that game, but like, I, I, I like that they have like guys like Nawaba and Jason Tate and just these guy like weird, like Sterling Brown, just like these weird wings who just like come in and like occasionally like go for 20 points, but most of the time just like punch people. It's, it's a really weird team. I can't get over Victor Oladipo saying after that Blazers game, oh, so many people have quit on me, but you know what? Like, whatever. Vic, what are you talking about, man? Like, you quit on the Pacers. You wanted to leave. What, what is it with Pacers' wings and rewriting history after they leave? Because Paul George did this too, by the way. Paul George kept talking about, like, oh, we had a chance to get the best power forward in the NBA and the Pacers wouldn't do it. Like, I'm pretty sure they would have done it if that was a real thing. By <laughs> Anthony Davis had the he had the plane ticket bought. He was on the way, and they were like, "Nope, we don't want him." Just I don't know what it is with the with the Pacers. Is there something in the water there? Like, what is it with guys leaving and just hating that organization? Uh, I don't. You know, maybe this isn't the right forum to say this, but I, I've heard some things about Indiana and uh, m- multicultural environments. That might not be as welcome. Yeah, this is an off-pod conversation. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. Yes. <laughs> um, back to the original point. You know what? If Houston is good, that just makes Phoenix's life even harder. I think Phoenix is a play-in team. And you know what? That's not the worst thing in the world. Like, they'll have a shot. And I think given their talent, there's a good chance that, like, if they're playing, I don't know, San Antonio in the play-in, like, they're more talented than the Spurs. They should beat them. I like it. I mean, I don't, I don't see why the, like, why are the Pelicans doing that just for Dario Saric? Like, are they? Yeah, because else? they need a stretch big. Yeah, I don't know. We talked about like Ubri might not be enough. I'd, Saric definitely isn't. I mean, if I'm Phoenix, I'd give up like a couple second round picks to grease the wheels here. Yeah. I don't know if I give up a first, but I mean, we have to be realistic about the fact that Chris Paul and Devin Booker are not on the same timelines. And if Phoenix is going to be good, like, they're not going to have, they're not going to have the draft as an agency or as a they're not going to have the draft as a way to get a point guard of the future. They're not going to have cap space to sign one. So you're going to have to trade for somebody at some point. Like, why not Lonzo Ball? I mean, yeah, I, mean, I can't argue. I just think the asking price might be a little steep for them coming from the Pelicans if Sarich is the main player that they're getting. I'm going to torture our coworker Brad, Brad Bakken with this one. Ooh. Atlanta Hawks. Because I know, I know what he's thinking. Why would you put non-shooter Lonzo Ball alongside, quote, mediocre shooter, unquote, Trey Young? Who thinks he's Steph Curry? <laughs> I'm not getting into this one. It's in the headline. I didn't make it up. I just, the IQ of those two together, I think, would be really fun. 
The Hawks clearly believe that to some extent. They signed Rajon Rondo. But you know what? Rajon Rondo's old and Trey Young is young, and I want to get them on the same timeline. So let's trade Rondo in a first-round pick and maybe whatever other salary filler you need. Rondo played well in New Orleans. Like maybe the Hornets or maybe the Pelicans can use his veteran know-how and, you know, getting a first-round pick. Like, sure, they'll take they'll take as many as they can get. So for me, this is purely just a perspective of Atlanta needs a backup point guard. I don't think Rajon Rondo is it. Maybe Chris you Dunn? think Bogdan Bogdanovich is. Well, Chris Dunn is a wing. Like, he's point guard <laughs> size, but he's he's defending wings, and that's right. what his job is. Bogdanovich um, holds the ball a lot. Like, he handles the ball a lot for a shooting guard. But I would like to have another high IQ ball handler on that team. I think he and Trey would really get along, at least as players. Who knows as people? Um, I, I really like that fit. What, what are your thoughts? I think it's funny because them and Phoenix are kind of in a similar position, right? They're both perennially, well, not perennially, but for the last several seasons, been bad teams that made big moves this offseason to try to get better. And both trades you're proposing would swap, you know, some of your veteran talent for a younger talent that's more on the timeline with your best players. So, I mean, I think philosophically, if you like the Phoenix trade, it makes sense that you like the Hawks trade. It's kind of a similar situation. And I thought it was very funny that Rondo is just like old Lonzo. I'd like he could just like learn from him and, and, and get his wisdom, unless you're trading him for him. Are you keeping well, that? Rondo? That's my plan. But like, if you can find other salary filler, whatever, <laughs> yeah. like I'm open minded here. The idea here is Atlanta clearly likes that formula. They like the idea of having another Lonzo like guy behind Trey. So why not just get the younger version that you can keep alongside Trey for the long haul? And, Maybe that's Lonzo's destiny. Like, maybe he's a backup, and maybe that's okay. Like, maybe he's just, like, the guard version of Andre Iguodala, where he's not starting, but he's playing big minutes on a good team, smart, defender. Like, I don't know. Is that so crazy? The only thing that would prevent me from bringing him off the bench is just what we've talked about before, how he's just so much better when he plays with the best players on your team. So that would be the only thing that would make me hesitate. Like, I think everything about it, in theory, and, like, his makeup – makes sense kind of like a spark plug off the bench you can guard and disrupt things um but i think he would benefit but 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 if you stagger him with like you know whatever your best player is or your your second best player who comes in to start the second quarter you stagger him with those guys i think that would uh that would make sense why are the hawks hawks are playing so slow this year man i just looked them up at pace i mean there are a few things number one they added a lot of old dudes which does generally (laughs) does not pace Number two, like they've had a lot of injury and COVID related absences. So I'm trying not to take anything too seriously, but I'm also just going to suggest that I don't think that they're necessarily the best coach team. And that, well, the the problem with saying that is that if Lloyd Pierce got fired, Nate McMillan gets that job. So mm. that, that wouldn't exactly help matters on that front. But right. we've, we've talked about two younger teams that have been bad. Now I want to talk about an older team that's been good but isn't this year, the Toronto Raptors, because <laughs> if the rap, like, look, the Raptors have fixed Stanley Johnson. I'm pretty sure they could fix anybody. Like I'm pretty sure if the Raptors signed me and they gave me like, I'm going to say 28 months, like a little more than two years, they could turn me into like a serviceable backup point guard in the NBA. If you, so get, into that, you get into that player development system, you know, I mean, look at the, some of the guys that are getting like minutes for them this year, like Utah Watanabe, Stanley Johnson, like Terrence Davis, we heard about last year. Forward for them now. Paul Watson, DeAndre Bembry, like who are these people? This would be a great game show. Raptors backup or extra on Nash, like something (laughs) like that. Like 
Just pick your random TV show. Right. <laughs> just throw out three names. Like, um, Raptors end of bench rotation player or Nickelodeon star. Here's my thought. I think Kyle Lowry is not long for this league. He's getting up there. Somebody is going to have to replace him as just the winning player starting point guard for the Raptors. I know Fred Van Vliet's already there, but Fred Van Vliet can play with anybody. I think this is just Lonzo Ball's destiny, right? Go learn at the seat of the greatest version of Lonzo Ball that there is. Although I guess Kyle Lowry can score and shoot. Kyle Lowry does all the Lonzo stuff, but he also does the important NBA player stuff too. I just think that you couldn't ask for a better system to learn and grow from than Toronto's. We're also not sure that Lonzo can't eventually do those things, right? Like, right, he might. He's, it, Kyle Lowry wasn't an all-star for however many years. He played years. for three other teams, right? He right. played for Memphis, Houston. I think there was one other one in there. Chauncey Billups was on his fifth team when he won finals MVP. Like, point guards don't develop at the same rate. Right. And so if you're talking about, you know, coming to a, a great culture, a team that holds people accountable, a very creative coach that will use you in smart ways, I mean, I don't think it's crazy for them to think they might be able to catch lightning in a bottle here with Lonzo. What's the what's the deal? What are they sending back? I'm I'm talking Norman Powell here. I think that's a pretty fair trade. Youngish yeah. wing, or I guess more of a guard, but youngish he's, he's guy. He plays some small forward for them, I think. Yeah, like he's he has a player option for next year. He hasn't played well this year, but last year he was great. So TBD on whether or not he'd accept it. I would imagine the Pelicans would view him as like a long-term rotation piece. He's I'd say he's a little old, but not, he's not old. Like he's a little old relative to Lonzo. I think he's 27. So I, I just think it's them looking at it and thinking we can get somebody who we can have in our rotation and rely upon for the next five, six years. That's a good trade. Now maybe they ask for a pick. And if they do, Toronto's fine. Like they have plenty of picks. They can, they can trade one of their own. It's not the end of the world. I just like this fit a lot. No, I, I love I love uh, Powell. I think that's a good call because I think eventually uh, he'll probably get priced out of the Raptors. And I think that you talk about a guy who can play off the bench or he can start, can play multiple positions. Uh, obviously, a guy who's come from, you know, a, a tremendous system, a championship system in Toronto. And this guy, I love Norman Powell because I've only seen one G League game in my life as Raptors 905. My good buddy David Gale was coaching for them, and uh, he he got me some tickets. And Norman Powell had gotten sent down for I don't know if this was rookie or maybe his second year. And the entire game, he was so pissed that he was in the G League and that he he had to play. But like most people in that situation would just like pout and be upset. But he just like came out and murdered everyone on the court. And like me and my wife were both watching. We're like, all right, this guy's actually gonna be good because like. He, you could just see he took that anger and just like used it on the court instead of just pouting. So that's my Norman Powell story. I like him. Well, every every Raptors 905 player is eventually going to be a good NBA player, right? Like Chris Boucher played for them. Oh. Pascal Siakam played for them. I don't Matt, think Matt Thomas did. Matt Thomas did. Van Vliet did, I think, at one point. Like if you played for Raptors 905, like you're in good shape. Um, I'm regretting the last team on my list. I think they should have been higher up. But this was the team the. Well, you don't think they're a bad team, but the team that would just say, like, you know what? We're in rebuild, accumulate assets mode. Why not take the shot, the Houston Rockets? I think this is a pretty volatile situation to ask him to join. Um, If I were them, though, it's kind of a why not. So it's not a great fit, but I thought I'd bring them up because, sure, they have a million first-round picks. What's one more in a trade? I love it. I love it more than anything in the world because – 
Houston, as you've talked about, is just all those guys who just were given up on, right? John Wall feels slighted. Washington didn't want him. Boogie thinks everyone's given up on him. Oladipo, you just talked about, was pissed off. Christian Wood bounced around with like eight teams before somebody finally gave him a contract. I just think uh, Steven Silas got passed over a gajillion times before he got a head coaching job. I think he fits in. Lonzo would fit in perfectly in that system. as just like a hardworking guy, puts his head down, gets the job done, has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Uh, I love it. I, like you said, basketball fit, whatever. We'll worry about that later. But if you got the opportunity to get him, uh, I don't know what it would take. I think just Jay Sean Tate straight up, I'd do it. I would think that that's a trade of first round pick plus salary filler sort of deal. My question though, if you make that deal is like, you're right. That strikes me as a team that would be really motivated and like really fun for 25 games. And then they would make the play in and they would lose. And then they would come out next year and like lose 13 of their first 15 games because like just it's sort of the Oklahoma city thing, right? Where like you have this feel good team that's really performing over its head. And then eventually you just reach a point where the talent isn't enough. So I don't know, like, I guess I don't see the long-term benefits of doing this unless you just think John Wall is eventually going to get traded. Old Depot is going to leave in free agency. We're looking at Lonzo as like a long-term starter for us. I don't know. Like I'm not against just getting the asset, but I don't think the fit is all that great, especially because, well, John Wall is shooting well this year, but like neither he nor or Oladipo have been particularly consistent shooters in the past. So right. maybe not the easiest fit. They did Daniel House out there, which is stroking it. Well, Christian Wood, if you catch him on the right night, might as well be like Carl Anthony Towns. Like yeah, he has so those good, nights man. where he's like six of nine from three. It's going to be hard to do a Christian Wood related podcast because of we do a trade podcast and nobody's going to want to trade Christian Wood for a very long time. But well, we need to find I out was, to talk about him. So I was thinking about this earlier with Jeremy Grant. Both Jeremy Grant and Christian Wood signed three-year deals on teams that maybe don't have the best looking futures. Could they both get to a point where like in two years, they're both famous enough and have expiring contracts and they could just say, trade us to winners. That's good. See, now we're talking because this is the whole, you know, Anthony Davis, James Harden, everybody's on the lookout for stars, but like, where's that line? You know, at what point or is, is, is it just that like the team just wouldn't do it? Is that why players don't do that? Like, why do players making like four million dollars not say you got to trade me right now? Well, I mean, I think theoretically anyone on an expiring contract with positive trade value could do it. It's just that you know, for those guys, like if you're making four million bucks and you demand a trade, free agent destination teams aren't going to look on that too favorably, right? They're going to say this guy's a diva, and we'll deal with a diva if it's a star, but if it's not a star, we're not going to do it. Christian Wood and Jeremy Grant are stars right now. Like it's weird to say, but so far this year they've played like stars, so. Maybe That's in two years yeah. when they're on expiring deals, like we've been looking around for who's the next guy because once Bradley Beal goes, there isn't a super obvious star on the trade market. So maybe it's one of them. It's and it's conceivable that I mean, by that time, Wood could be averaging twenty-five and twelve on forty percent three-point shooting, and Jeremy Grant could be averaging twenty-seven points a game with that type of defense. I mean, yeah, okay. As, Right. I think I've discovered the funniest possible outcome. They get traded for each other. No. Two years. Christian Wood is a star, and he's frustrated in Houston. And he says, I need help. I need a star guard who can get me the ball better. <laughs> You're going to target James Harden. <laughs> he's going to be on his last legs. Is he going to – will he be re-signed for the Supermax in Brooklyn at that point? 
Maybe it's a sign and trade. Maybe they clear the cap space. I don't know. I just, I think that's the funniest possible outcome. That's hilarious. Where he's like, I signed here to play with James Harden. Now go get me. James yeah. Harden. And they're like, dude, did you see those like four games we played together? We're like the best pick and roll combination of all time. I think that just given the general volatility of Houston and how good Christian Wood looks like he is, there are all sorts of weird shenanigans that they could get into there, but we have gotten very far off track. The Warriors are your favorite trade, I assume, just given the conversations we had off pod. Take them away for a second. What's your other favorite destination that you've heard today? Um, outside of the Warriors, I, I think you talked me into the Raptors. And I do think that the Raptors need some sort of refresh, like some new blood. You know, they lost to Baca and Gasol. They kind of had some trouble. or they, They're playing better now, but they had some trouble adjusting to their new makeup and Boucher getting minutes and all these things. I think I don't think it'd be the worst thing in the world for them to get this kind of injection of new life and kind of something to get excited about. I think that things have kind of been very similar for them over the last couple of seasons after winning the title. So um, I just love it for Lonzo too. I just think getting into a stable environment like that and I get excited about like what Nick Nurse could do with him on both sides of the ball. So I, I really like Toronto. How about you? Number one, he is not in his father's country anymore if we make that trade, which I think is big. Well, I think next if we year. Get, He's in Tampa right now. Well, yeah, next year. <laughs> if we could get LeVar's passport revoked, which I don't think would be too difficult, oh, yeah, then I'm... he could like truly be separated from that family and be free. The other thing is, I, I think it kind of reminds me with Andrew Wiggins with the Warriors, where like the entire team just kind of looks at him as their project. I think like Kyle Lowry, Lowry would really enjoy having Lonzo Ball there and just like, being his teacher and saying like, we need you to get back into a winning situation. So I really like that one. Phoenix is my favorite personally, but I'm with you on the Raptors. I think it's a really fun one. Yeah. I just thought, like you said, with Wiggins, like the thing about like both him and Lonzo is like, sure. They may be underachieved based on expectations, but like, they're both like really good dudes. Like they're just like want to get along and like want to play well and be happy. So I think that a team like the Raptors would embrace it. Them too. What do you think is actually going to happen? <sighs> Honestly, I want to say the Warriors just because uh, the, the Ubri thing is just so big. It's just this huge stain on the season so far. And they're actually like decent. Like they're like 500, even with Ubri being this bad. So if they got him, uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he just stays. Maybe, that's some, maybe the Pelicans start playing better. And they forget all this nonsense and just trade Redick and keep Lonzo. Here's, yeah, I, I think the likeliest outcome here is that they don't get a suitable offer. He stays. He finishes out the season. He goes into restricted free agency next year. He either signs an offer sheet, and I don't see an obvious team out there for that, or more likely he signs the one-year qualifying offer, becomes unrestricted after that, and then that's when you really have to start thinking about the Hornets. <laughs> When he's an unrestricted free agent, you can go wherever he wants. You're going to make this, you're going to, you know, to, to borrow a phrase from LeVar, you're going to speak this into existence. I was really high on the idea of getting Stephen Curry to Charlotte a few years ago when like that was a, I mean, not really a rumor, but like something people talked about. I think this could be my chance at redemption. Yeah, like earlier this season when the Warriors started like 0-2 and, and they lost by a gajillion points, there was like, trade Steph! We, we like kind of talked about that for five minutes on here once. We did. We? Uh, we did. I remember editing that and thinking, should I cut out this whole section? But it was too good. We were just talking about that in Slack earlier. I don't think it's ever going to actually come to pass. But like there was a minute where it wasn't so far-fetched. One last thing on Lonzo. Restricted free agency, 
you got to ask, is someone coming like with the bag for him? Is that even a possibility? I just don't know who the team is, right? Like I look at the teams that have cap space and a lot of them are teams that were saving up for stars that are no longer available, right? Like I don't think the Raptors are just going to throw $20 million at him willy-nilly. I don't think the Heat are. I don't think the Mavericks are. I think the Knicks are going to be a bit more patient. Like I just look at the cap space teams and I don't know who it would be. Yeah, and we don't know anything. I guess <laughs> like we don't know how the season's going to turn out, what the COVID situation is going to be like. So it's really hard to to guess on stuff like that. All when you're thinking about next off season. I was ready to say next summer, but it might actually be fall. So got to. Do we know up. when free agency starts? Because I nah. wrote July on a free agent thing, and then I had to pause and think. Like, wait, is it August? Yeah, I think the finals are in July this year. So who knows? I think they end July 15th. I, I honestly don't know. <laughs> Anyway, that's definitely a, the Lonzo situation is one that we'll have to monitor. Uh, what you should be monitoring is this podcast. Go on iTunes, rate it, five stars only, subscribe, get us some more listeners. I, I think you'll have a good time. Sam Quinn, thank you so much for joining me. We'll have to do it again sometime soon because the trade talk is not going to stop. Pleasure as always, Colin.